Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Defying University podcast and another episode in the Share Your Story series where we bring on amazing educators doing amazing work and provide them an opportunity to share their story because we know our stories are our superpower. They are how we create that connection and growth with our students, with our staff, and most importantly, with ourselves every single day. And so I am so excited to bring to you Hans Apple, who is an amazing educator, author of award-winning culture, so many amazing things. I'm going to let him dive into his true bio because I don't think I could do it justice. Uh, We have recently connected through the Teach Better team and Hans, since meeting you, since just chatting with you over social media, it, it was just an instant connection for me and just everything that that you put out, I, I'm like, yes, you know, it's that head nod, that smile. And so I am so thankful that you are here to share your story with the Define University listeners. And I'm so excited to dive in. So welcome. Oh, thank you. That's an amazing intro, by the way. Like, can you go everywhere with me and, and like roll that out? Um, well, you know, I'm a huge fan of the podcast and the work that you're doing. So I'm excited to be here and, and having this conversation right now. Awesome. It's, you know, I think when, when educators can just continue to learn from one another, I think it not only strengthens who we are, but it just continues then to strengthen connections we have. And, you know, I think one of the greatest things I felt, I felt for years, so isolated, so alone, so just, just on my own. And I was part of it because I was afraid to reach out. Part of it was I was afraid to reach out to people that I didn't see and couldn't see. And I just, I'm, I love not only this podcast, but just social media and that community because other way, otherwise there's educators I, I know for certain I wouldn't have connected with, right? I'm on East Coast, you're on West Coast. And, you know, unless we happen to attend a conference or something together, but by, by nature of social media, here we are. So let's dive in. I'm excited. Um, I would love to know. So one of the questions I always love to start with on these episodes is really just what inspired you to, to head into education? I think every educator has their own unique kind of pathway that got us here to where we are. And I would just love for you to share a little bit about yours with, uh, with our listeners. Yeah. So I, I guess starting off, I mean, a lot of people like to focus on their what, and I'm really one of those people that likes to focus on my why that sort of informs my what. So Lindsay, I'll tell you, and and you know this already about me, but I believe education at its highest level is about inspiring others to discover and develop their joy. And isn't that what life is all about, right? Like living out your why, like understanding your own unique strengths and passions and aligning those to some deeper meaning, purpose, right? Yeah. You talk all the time on your podcast about purpose. And, you know, I think when we do that, when we focus on purpose, we really can uh, empower people around us, right? So, you know, growing up, I'll tell you a little bit about me. I was your classic ACEs kid, child of divorce, abusive home. Um, I always tell people I could predict what kind of evening it was going to be with my dad based on how the back door slammed, right? There was a certain frequency, a certain noise when he would get home from work. 
I would listen really close for that noise. And when I would hear it, I knew it was going to be a bad night with my dad. And, and listeners that are survivors out there, they know exactly what I'm talking about. So on those nights, I would do my best disappearing act and just try to like kind of lay low. And so for me, at an early age, school became my safe haven, right? My place I could go, I could be age appropriate. I didn't have to worry about solving complicated adult emotional issues. I could just be a kid. And so I think my friends and my coaches and my teachers really became like family to me. And so that's, I think, the early seeds of where I started learning about things like school culture and servant leadership and kindness and how they can just brighten people's days. Because that's what people were doing for me on a daily basis. I would leave home and my day got better as I got to school. And so that's, I think, what I wanted to do as I got older. Now, I was lucky because... Um, my girlfriend at the tail end of high school, who I eventually married, Jennifer, um, she was a fourth generation educator. So she comes from this long line of educators that are just, you know, amazing servant leaders that love to serve uh, kids every day, right? And so there's superintendents and paraprofessionals, principals, teachers, all kinds of folks in her family. And so throughout college, I kind of got this exposure to the educational world. And the more I kind of like tried to figure out who I was and what, you know, my strengths were and all those kinds of things, I was just sort of drawn to this path of, hey, maybe I can do, you know, for kids what, you know, some of those educators and coaches did for me growing up. So I think that was kind of the early, you know, direction of, of me getting into this work as an educator. I love it. And I, we, we relate, we haven't talked about it, but we relate, we, we connect, I guess, on a lot of what you said. And I too use school a lot to escape um, from some, from some home situations, from some things going on, both personally and within my, my collective, you know, environment at home. And um, one of the things it, that, that I share, and I'm starting to, to feel more confident sharing, and it's in part because I'm hearing other people, other educators share their story, is that you know, what we see at school and our students is not always, it's, it's never the whole picture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I very much who I showed up as, as a student was not all of me. And, and I, you know, I was, I was a straight A student. I did what I was supposed to. I got the grades. I did the work. I volunteered. But you asked me to make a decision. I couldn't do it because I didn't know how to make a decision. I just knew, I, I was very compliant, you know, the word that's out there. I was, I was the compliant student. You tell me to jump and I'm gonna say, great, how high? I'm gonna jump first, then ask how high, and I'm gonna do all those things because you as the adult, you as the teacher told me that that's what I should do. And, um, you know, one of my favorite phrases now is get out of Shouldville because I lived there for so many years um, doing what I thought was right, what I thought I should. And, Really, I love that what you started out with that that discovering joy. I don't, I don't, I know I didn't know what joy was until the last couple of years. Until I really said, okay, you know what, who I am is is a part of who I was then, but that doesn't get to define who I am now. That part served me and brought me to here. And I think the thing, and I'm wondering if you hear this too at all, is that I hear from people: Does it really get to be that simple? Like, does life really get to be about? finding joy? And, and my answer is yes. I think we make it more complicated by, by overanalyzing and second guessing and hesitating and questioning. And doesn't mean there isn't challenging things, but the purpose, why I wake up every day, why I show up is to discover what's joyful, is to discover what is going to align with who I am 
And as you mentioned, that purpose and passion. So I think it does get to be easy. It gets to be simple. doesn't mean there aren't going to be some complexities or some things we have to learn through and grow from, but that I think is part of the journey. So I'm curious as to your thoughts on that. Oh my gosh, Lindsay. I mean, I, I relate to so much of what you just shared. I've, I, you probably noticed I'm over here taking notes. Um, I, what you just shared just lights me up because, you know, you, you said a couple different things. Number one, you know, we as educators have to lead with vulnerability, right? I, I think that really helps other people to, to come forward. So it's amazing that you have this podcast and this platform where you are sharing your story and elevating other people's stories because it makes it safe for other people. And, and at the same time, by the way, this is something that we can do for our kids, isn't it? Like, you know, sharing our stories, being ourselves, right? Living our authentic life. Um, I think that makes it okay for uh, other people to go for that joy. Um, you know, back to, you know, is joy, um, you know, is that, is that attainable? Is it something we can go for? I think it is because it's really different than happiness. I can't be happy all the time, Lindsay. Like I can't, like if I eat pizza and ice cream, I feel pretty happy. Right. But like, there's a limit to that. Like joy is something deeper, right? It, it's the purpose that you spoke with. And I think that that's just huge. You also brought up another word that's a huge buzzword right now in my brain. And that's compliance. That is probably my least favorite word in all of education is compliance. I hate it. And I think I'm pretty driven to try to get that word out of our vocabulary as educators, because I think it really holds us back from living our full self. Um, you know what I mean? I do. Absolutely. I, my, my favorite example is, and again, I always use personal examples and I mentioned I, I couldn't make a decision. And, and I, I mean, I kid you not, like <laughs> I couldn't make a decision to start my, you know, to do anything. And even when, and I, I'm actually still, still something, I can give an example now. So I'm in, I'm in, courses, uh, coursework to become an administrator. And we have projects, right? We have papers to write, we have projects to do. And I'm not, I'm, I know I'm not alone in this because other people have said it too. The first question after we've all been given the directions, the very next question a, a good number of us have either asked in the chat or asked verbally is, can you show us an example? Can you give us an exemplar? Now, why do we ask that? Because we want to make sure the work we do, we're already in comparison mode. We're already comparing what we haven't even tried yet. And we want to know, give me an example of something, which I look at as very different than modeling. So I think a lot of times people will say, well, I'm, I'm modeling. That's not, if, if we aren't empowering students to take that first step or teaching them how to have the, how to have the risk or the, to be vulnerable to take that first step and it might not go okay, might not go the way they thought it's going to be okay because it's what we do, you can't get it wrong. But it's, it's so, it's still something. But as an adult, I am working through. And so I, I think when, yeah, if we are looking at compliance and as a board, as a BCBA, that's a word that, that was ingrained in me and I've had to do a lot of work against it because it's, it's about so much more than compliance. I was a compliant kid and as an adult, I, I lost all sense of who I was because when I didn't have that teacher to tell me what to do, I didn't know what to do. I didn't trust who I was enough to make that decision and go with it until I learned who I was, uh, which is who, who I show up as today. And so like, think about this podcast, you know, when you, when you set out to create this podcast, sure, you had seen other podcasts, you'd listened to other things, like, but there was nobody that really told you, this is how you have to do this, Lindsay. Like you need to do it this way. You need to structure it this way. It needs to be this long. You know, you need to use this platform. Nobody told you really anything. 
and think how successful it's already become. And it's entirely because you've had to sort of learn on your own, right? And, and explore and make mistakes and try again and do all those things that actually help you grow. And I think, you know, had somebody given you like, this is the template to create your podcast, Lindsay, it, it would have just stifled your growth. And so that's what we're doing to kids all the time. Yes. <laughs> and it's so, I, I'm laughing because when I, <laughs> this podcast almost didn't happen. <laughs> Because I, I got so frustrated in those first couple of weeks, couldn't figure things out. I am, I am, you know, and I am one. If something doesn't come naturally to me, I want to just give up because I want things to come easy. You know, I, I, you know, even though I do all this work, I still get frustrated. I still do that. And I remember distinctly getting so frustrated one night with something to do with it. It wouldn't load. It wasn't working. And I said to my husband, I said, I'm done. I just want somebody to tell me what to do. And because he knows me so well, he <laughs> pops his head in my office and he goes, but do you really? And that was all he had to say. And I was like, okay, like through the tears, through the frustration, I was like, no, that's absolutely not what I want because I want, I want this to be mine. And if somebody else says do this, then, then it can't. And, and I see that with, with educator, educators a lot in the programs I run and the courses I do, they, can you give me the, the template or the, the, you know, the script and, and, and templates I'm actually okay with, you know, kind of those guiding questions or, or a way to frame, you know, what's going on in your mind, but that it's flexible enough that you can then take control. So I often don't give one, I'll give a couple and say, now go with it. Right. Because I think, I think there's a difference between a script and a template you know, a Absolutely. script of do this, do this, do that. There's no individual, you know, individuality in that. But when it's, here's the purpose, now go, that then you're going to get so many different modes, which I think is so important, especially for our students. Amen. Um, yeah, I just, I was thinking, my wife talks a lot, Jennifer talks a lot about um, really personalizing your curriculum. You know, I, I think there's a lot of just like, you know, we get the curriculum and then we think this is like, the script, right? To use your language, like we have to use this exact, you know, thing and stay in this box. And it's like, no, that's, that's really sort of a guide. Like, you know, you get there however you need to get there and every kid can get there however they need to get there. And I think, you know, I, I was just kind of thinking as you were talking out loud, I was like, oh yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's sort of getting in the way of so many parts of education, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so I would love, uh, so I have a couple questions about, about your, your specific role and, and your book, honestly, award-winning culture. I just recently finished it and finished it in about, you know, two days flat. Um, I, I loved every, every page in all honesty. It was, you know, what I think I highlighted more than I didn't highlight. I ended up then having to use post-its because I was highlighting so much. I had to remember all the, all the goodness on the pages and, you know, I could see one of the things that, you know, if I were to bring, it's in, the way you embed stories and strategies, I think is just a beautiful way of understanding what an award-winning culture is all about. And I think one of the things that, that I hear and see a lot of is people will read that kind of content and then will go and say, but it's not going to work for me or I'll do it, but how do I get you know, my, my, my coworker to do it? How do I get the rest of the, the, the staff to do it? And, you know, my answer, and I would love to you, mine is, is you just do it. Like once you're living it and you, you are kind of living the proof, you're showing that it gets to be easy. I can't, I can't make anyone do anything, but when I can show the results that I get from doing A, B or C, then a lot of, then people start to catch on. 
And then your group becomes bigger and that ripple effect becomes larger. So that, that's kind of my take on it or what I would do. And I'm just curious what yours and if, you, if you've seen that in your school or any other educators you've taught with. Oh, I thousand percent agree with you. And, and Lindsay, you know, seeing you from a distance and then obviously getting to know you over time, it's clear to me that you're a leader and you know that leadership is just influence, right? And, and you're a hundred percent right. You can't make anybody do anything, including kids, right? Even though as educators, we try to make kids do all things all the time. It doesn't, act, doesn't really happen. But what you can do is you can control you. And so if you really award-winning culture is a mindset. It's, it's a mindset focusing on intentionality over these three big pillars, right? Character, excellence, and community. So really, what can I do this week, today, this month to slowly start infusing some of these principles in my world, right? And maybe my world is my office because I'm a counselor. Maybe it's the classroom. Maybe it's the entire school. Maybe it's just the library or, you know, maybe I'm a coach for the, for the team and I just have, a, you know, 10 players on my team and that's where my sphere of influence is. Wherever that is, you can impact, right? And I, I think you probably picked up in my book really loud and clear that I believe all educators are leaders, but I don't know that we all as educators see ourselves that way. And, and so I think there is a lot of like, I'm going to wait for the principal or the superintendent to do you know, some big thing and then I'll buy in and, and we'll, you know, turn this whole thing around. Right. But your culture, your climate, it starts right where you are. Right. And you're hundred percent right. As soon as you start having success, what happens? Well, people start coming to you going, Hey, wh what's going on over here? And, and they become interested. And if they're not interested, then, you know, I, I would just kind of like focus on the people that, that seem to be, um, of the similar mindset of wanting to change things, right? And wanting to, you know, create that special uh, learning environment. And I think the reality is everybody wants to work in that kind of setting. Everybody wants to go to school in that kind of setting. And so there's not that many people that really don't want to do it. They just, they need somebody else to step first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think we all know, again, it's, it's this, no, I always, I always rest on knowing is different than doing. So we all know that mindset is important. We all know that the language we use is important. But what often happens is we jump to the action. And action without, without a consistent mindset and language is where we end up on either the hamster wheel or the merry-go-round, right? We're making moves, we're doing the actions, but we're not getting to that, to that end goal or that end result that we were looking for because we're not, we're not, it's not all three. It's why I love all three coming together in the mindset, the language and the action. Um, and I love that, you know, those again, while those aren't specifically the pillars in your book, those are the, the common themes throughout is what is your collective mindset? What mindset do you hold? What language do you use and what actions are you taking? And I totally agree with you on the leader leadership part. I, for years, I thought it was a title. I thought it was a role. When I first started out in the classroom, I was very role specific. And, and that led to a lot of exhaustion because even though I was a teacher, I taught kindergarten through second grade self-contained special education, depending on who I was talking to, I redefined the role of teacher so that I, I looked better, more professional for who I was talking with. And that's exhausting. You get home and you're like, whoa, it's like, I had Where am I? <laughs> yeah, like multiple personalities coming out. And when I, you know, really what, what, ultimately found to define you is I go, it's not about the role. It's about who I am. So I get to define who I am 
no matter what role. And there's, there's one line in your book among all of them, but the one line that I like stopped and, and was like, yes, is that the line essentially that you were like, we are all educators or I am an educator um, in the role of a counselor. Or, or that that role, and I immediately said, "Yeah, that's me. We're all educators, and we we do different roles. But we get to define ourselves by by who we are, and you know that identity piece. And I think it was so important, and so much so that actually, so I have a monthly mentorship program, and this month for July, we covered leadership because I felt it was so important that any educator recognizes they are a leader. If you interact with anyone else on your in a day." You're a leader because like you said it's influence it's action it's 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 creating that safe environment where trust and empathy and vulnerability and authenticity is present and felt and that's that's all of us it's not a title and so i think it's it's just an important reminder that every educator has a purpose and a passion and the reason we all went into education and and that might you know shift or change as you get older and as you grow but always bring it back to that. Always recognize what it is so that you know the type of leader you are and what your purpose and passion and your specific role within the identity of being an educator really gets to be. Yeah, I love the idea. Educational cross-training is kind of the part of, in my book that you're talking about. And I love the idea of, of really working outside of your you know, narrow scope, right? Because the reality is we know all teachers are actually all counselors too right? We're already talking about how they're leaders, you know, in some ways they're kind of parents to some of these kids. Like there's so many different hats that educators wear. And I think the more that we can expand out of, you know, our professional development is just huge. I remember probably like six or seven years ago, we had a, like a national speaker come in and speak to our district and they were up on stage and they asked the group of educators at our, in our district, how many of you are leaders? And Lindsay, I kid you not, I mean, there was hardly any hands that went up. And I mean, how sad is that, that, that our profession doesn't recognize that yet? So I love that, that you're infusing that right into the work that you're doing with your folks. That's awesome. Because I think it's, it's, it's for the conversation. And this is just another example of a conversation we can have with our students too. Mm -hmm. Because students are leaders too. Right? And we can give them, you know, or provide them those leadership opportunities that are going to suit their strengths and build on their strengths because we know those strengths lead to solutions. And if I'm aware of my strengths and I can continue to grow my strengths, then that's a beautiful thing for when I leave the, the safety of school and, and safety, meaning I have, I have support. I have those mm -hmm. people so that when I'm on my own, I know what my strengths are. I was really good in school. I was a great student, but I couldn't tell you my strengths. And I went to college thinking, how am I going to do this? And I, and I slowly learned and I learned over time, but, you know, I think if we can focus on more of those, you know, power skills, those skills that are, that are quote unquote, you know, essential, but that sometimes we don't often get to do, I think that's, that's a really important piece to, to this concept of leadership and, and who am I as an educator? Can I ask you, like, so you learned, it sounds like maybe in college sometime, kind of like who you were, right? As far as like your strengths or whatnot, is that what you're feeling? I started. Yeah. So started that, started I, think that. I started to make the, the, the climb and figuring out who I was. Um, I would say really though, it's the last two years um, with me really diving into, well, in all honesty, the way I say it is I had done everything I say out there, mm -hmm. <laughs> like every environmental, every external thing you could do. I read all the books, maybe not right. all. I read lots of books. 
I was listening to the podcast. I was going to conferences. Um, I, I would just do everything and it, and it wasn't working and that I still didn't feel who, how I wanted to feel. I knew there was something bigger. I knew there was something out there for me. And I finally said, you know, the one thing I haven't done is actually looked within and actually figured out who am I? Why am I the way I am? What are these thoughts that I keep having? What is this, this thing that I'm seeking? And, and you kind of alluded to it before. I was seeking happiness in something outside of myself. And instead I learned that, no, I get to create joy and and really that shift in emotions that it's not creating this happiness. It's creating this joy for my life. Um, which really has been over like the last two years. And, and what's funny is when you find that it, it, like people are just naturally drawn to you, right? Like as soon as you kind of like get crystal clear, like who you are, what your superpower is and what you kind of bring to the world, like, it's just amazing. Like, you know, like people just sort of like go, Hey, I need to work with Lindsay. Hey, I need to meet Lindsay. You're like, it just, that's just kind of what happened. So uh, that lights me up a lot because that's what I want to do for kids. Like, I think we can have these conversations in middle school and high school particularly, but even down at the elementary level, like with our middle school kids, we have them work on learning how to find their why even as sixth graders, like they can start to discover like, what is it that I'm passionate about? It's easy to say video games or basketball or whatever else, but let's really dig in on the why behind that. Right. And I just think it's so amazing when they start seeing themselves part of something bigger than themselves. So I know in my book, I write a lot about student leadership. You know, how can we empower kids to take on different roles and and really lift other, you know, people's spirits around the school but it's, it's been incredible to watch kids be able to recognize I'm literally living my purpose. Like, like I want to do something with this when I get older and they may not know exactly, you know, it may still take them like years and years to like pinpoint exactly, but just that sense of self. I mean, you know, we, we hear a lot about these buzzwords like SEL, right? Social emotional learning. But I think that's, that's the real like work is like, how can we like put them in a position to practice these things, right? Not just talk about them in a classroom, but like, let's go live it. Yeah. And it, and I think it absolutely, actually, I know it can happen earlier. So I, I have a six-year-old and we talk about these things. We, awesome. you know, she, she might sound a little strange when she talks about, you know, her passion <laughs> for life, but I'm a big believer in start the conversation early because it's going to become embedded. And, you know, I, it, it's again, in reflecting back, I, I, I didn't have that. And it's not, again, it's not a right or wrong thing. There's no judgment. It's just, I didn't have it. And so in order for me to make change for tomorrow, I look, I look at my home first. So I start with me. And then I look at that, that smallest sphere of influence, which is my daughter. And so things like gratitude, we do gratitude every single night. It's a part of our routine now that she knows is, is just mom. That's what mom's going to ask. And here's what I'm going to talk about. And something as simple as that, what are we grateful for? When we started this, probably it was about last summer, you know, it was, it was probably, I would call the the basic kid things. Well, my Barbies and my toys and, you know, pizza and, you know, but over time it's still those things. And that's totally fine. Cause my goal isn't to micro, you know, manage what she's credit, what she's grateful for, but it's over time. It has been things like, you know, uh, mom, I'm grateful that you snuggled with me on the couch tonight. Mm -hmm. Mom, I'm grateful that we read this story. 
I'm grateful that that daddy took me on a side-by-side -side ride. And those are the experiences that I'm with. I didn't have to tell her any of those things. She has just figured that out by this continual practice by me sharing, me being vulnerable to share, this is what I'm grateful for, um, and things like that. We talk about who she is and what she wants to be, but then we take it that step further. One of my favorite phrases with her is, tell me more about it. So if she, she came the other day, she goes, mom, I figured it out. I'm going to be an artist when I grow up. And I think it's, I was, I, I was laughing inside because I am the least artistic person. I am not, I don't like it that, you know, that's just not me and that's okay. So I go, all right, tell me more about it. What, how does art make you feel? And she goes, I'm just getting so much better at drawing. I keep practicing and, and I don't make mistakes like I used to. And then she goes, but it's okay, mom. Cause if I make mistakes, my brain grows. So it's okay. And she sticks. And I don't share this to say, look at me, I'm doing a great job. I share this to show you, the listeners, what is possible. So if you are a kindergarten teacher, start the conversations. One of my favorite takeaways from one of my Ignite Your Legacy rounds is one of my the educators in there started a celebration round with her kindergartners. And every day they'd celebrate 10 things from the day. And towards the end of the year, she didn't have to start it. The kids got the markers, they got the paper. That was part of their classroom community. And that is huge. Let's teach our students to celebrate success and celebrate everything, be grateful, because it can start as early and then it becomes more natural when they get to middle school and high school so we can focus on more of those middle school and high school situations that arise. <laughs> well, it becomes a habit, doesn't it? Like if we, if we, whatever we focus on is what we end up like putting out in the world, right? So if it's positivity, celebrations, gratitude, all those key things that we know are good ideas, like nobody, nobody thinks those things don't work, right? But it's just a matter of like making that a routine, making that, uh, you know, an intention for the day or, you know, I'm going to like structure my world around this thing. So for instance, I get up and every day we were talking earlier about, you know, how early each of us rise. We're both early birds and I get up and I just do a little bit of writing to start my day. And it's, it's nothing like super like, you know, this is going to be so creative and amazing or, you know, anything to share with the world. It's just sort of that gratitude. Like, let me just get out some thoughts for the day that uh, just sort of helps center me. You know, it's kind of like a mindfulness type thing for me. Um, and, you know, once it becomes a habit like that, it's just, it, it, it sort of like puts you in the right space to, to begin your day. Right. And it's the same thing with positivity and celebrations. You're hundred percent right. I mean, these are things that can be going on in a kindergarten circle, right? Like we can go around the circle and, and just let's speak to, you know, what's something that I'm grateful for? What's something that I'm excited about? Whatever it is. Love it. Yeah. I, so with all that's going on in education so much, right. Especially right now, I feel like, but you know, honestly, I feel like that's just every year we got something new that's popping up. Um, I would love to know kind of either who inspired you or who continues to inspire you. So I think having mentors, having people that really kind of were that accountability partner, that person that says, you know what, you can do this. Uh, you know, again, we men I mentioned before, you know, so often we feel alone. So often we can feel isolated as educators. I think it's really important to recognize that there's the people that we connect with. Can, it, it is more than okay to have those mentors, to have those accountability partners that are inspiring us, continue to motivate us. So I'd love to know, you know, who either inspired or continues to inspire you to, to keep doing the work that you're doing. That's a great question. I, it's a hard question because I feel like there's so many people, right? And, and there's so many people that like I continue to meet or, you know, continue to, to discover 
And now they're become somebody that uh, inspires me. I think for me, probably the easiest answer would probably be my wife. Because I think, you know, she, Jennifer really kind of pointed to me, I think in that direction at an early age, like, hey, I think you might be good at this. And, and she continues to be somebody that um, I can lean on and ask, you know, questions about education, you know, on a professional level, because I respect the work that she does so much. She's, you know, I have the luxury of being able to work with her every day um, at the middle school that we're at. And uh, I continue to say, and, and I know people will probably think I'm biased. She's one of the best teachers I've ever been around. Like she's just top notch. Um, and so, you know, I, I sometimes imagine what that would be like if, you know, if I didn't think that, but, um, you know, I'm able to really like have those like accountability. Um, and I, I, I write about this in my book too, but some of those moments where you can go, you know, what are your thoughts on this? How, how could I handle this? What should I do for this? And, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people probably think that's weird that I work with my spouse because I, I don't think a lot of people do that. It's not common, but I just love it. And it's, you know, again, we've, we're high school sweethearts. We've been together forever. So we really do kind of know how to push each other in all the best ways and really, you know, get the most out of each other. Beyond Jennifer, there's so many people in my PLN and people that I work with and, and people that just inspire me. I told you recently that you inspire me. I mean, I'm listening to this podcast consistently because I think it's just top-notch work. Um, and, and so there's, there's so many of those folks that I wouldn't even be able to give you just a handful of names. But I think the person that I would probably you know, go back to would be Jennifer. Yeah. I, it's always amazing to me. So I... Uh, I don't know that I mentioned it on podcast, but my husband works, he works in tool and die machining. He, he works in manufacturing. I honestly couldn't tell you a little bit any more than that because I don't really know what he does. Um, nor could he do that for me. You know, he knew, I think he knew more when I was a teacher. He at least could give people a little bit more of an emphasis on what I do um, by saying, you know, she's a kindergarten through second grade teacher. And now he's like, I don't know what you do as a behavior specialist. I'm like, it's okay. Some days I don't either. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Um, and you know, but I think it's interesting because, you know, that's a, that's a comparison. I'm not going to, you know, him and I, we can't have, I guess we could, we don't have very good educational conversations because it, it's coming from two totally different, you know, I love school. I'm back in school for like year 10 and, and he's like, no, get me away from school. Like he, he had, you know, two year, um, went into, you know, trade work and, and he's been loving it ever since. And I, and I think that's the beauty of it is we get to both live into our passions. Um, but having those conversations were always hard. And I think that led to why I felt isolated a lot because I wasn't reaching out. I wasn't getting connected with other people. And I was having this like expectation of, well, I wish I could just have a conversation with him you know, about this at home. So my question for you, because you and Jennifer are obviously both very much in education. Do you find that you have other people then that you talk about non-education things with? Or do you guys also have conversations like about, I guess, just life things? Because um, Eric and I will talk yeah. a lot about the life things. And then I have, I now have, you know, secured that PLN, that community to talk education with. So it always just, it's a really random question, I know, but it's always something I wonder when, you know, it's educators together, you know, kind of what that shift looks like. Yeah, no, we, we definitely talk life stuff, but then we also have other people that we go to and, and, you know, explore, you know, other parts of life, uh, with as well. I will tell you, I, you know, 
you probably wouldn't think this given what I just shared, but there's still those, those times where even having that accountability partner that, you know, I work with and see at home, there are still times where I would say, and I think Jen would say the same thing. I've felt isolated before. And I, I, I think, you know, cause she's not a counselor, right. And, and she doesn't necessarily have the exact experience that I do on a daily basis or even life experience. And so I, I do, I sort of have this theory that a lot of the people that we end up connecting with through social media have those same experiences where they're searching for something that isn't maybe right there, you know, in their school or, you know, nearby, um, as far as those connections and, and, you know, that ability to, um, you know, explore maybe different conversations or whatnot. So I still, I, I still definitely feel that at times where it's like, okay, you know, we've created this award-winning culture. We've got all this amazing stuff happening at school. And yet I need to go to get challenged. I need to go, you know, find somebody like thousands of miles away that just wrote this book and I need to connect with that person and really like pick their brain. So I, I wouldn't say, I guess I wouldn't say that, um, those feelings don't necessarily go away just because, you know what I mean? You, you have uh, somebody within your own home that you can talk to. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and I, I, the reason I bring it up is because, well, one, my true, true curiosity, <laughs> Yeah. but, but also I do hear from a lot of educators, you know, I don't feel, I don't feel like my partner gets it. I don't feel mm. supported. I don't feel understood. I don't feel like I have someone and, and, and it resonates with me because I felt that for years too. And again, because I thought it was something that someone else needed to do for me, not something that I realized like, wow, I have, I have the control here. I can mm -hmm. go find other educators. So my, you know, I bring that up to, to share with listeners. If you don't feel like you have that sphere of influence, if you don't feel like you have that connected, you know, educator group that you're looking for, keep looking, keep exploring. You know, it's, it, we're constantly expanding as educators. And so who you are, you know, maybe if you're at year 10, who you are at year 10 is probably very different than who you were at year one. And it is okay if your influences or people that hold you accountable, people that impact your life, they're going to shift as we go. But the part that we can control is to continue to reach out, is to continue to say, hey, I love your work. Let's chat. Or, hey, do you have any recommendations? I saw this. What about that? Because that's how we're going to keep growing. And so I think if you aren't able to find that, you know, within your home, it's okay. You know, it's, it's but I think we often will think, well, it must just be me. And I guess the point is, it's not just you, but ask yeah. the questions, reach out, seek that, you know, seek that help. And the, the other thing you brought up that I really think is important is, you know, we talk about accountability a lot. We talk about coaching, we talk about mentoring. And I think it's really important that as we find, you know, the accountability partners, coaches, mentors, don't just find someone that's going to tell you what you want to hear. You know, be open to connecting with someone that is going to push you a little bit, you know, maybe not push you so far that you're like, well, I don't know anything anymore, right. but that's going to use questions because it's okay. When I had someone ask you the other day, is it okay if I disagree with something you say, like something I said, I'm like, absolutely. But please just, let's just not disagree. Let's have a conversation about it because I want to learn from you so that you can learn from me and we can learn from each other. And, you know, I think that's so important that we don't have to just agree with everybody. You know, there's people that I consider mentors that I don't agree with 100% with what they say. And I don't, I, I don't need to because it's, I, I'm creating 100% of me. And so I think it's just really important that, you know, don't just find someone that's going to tell you all the great things. 
you know, that's important. You know, we, we like that, mm -hmm. but that external validation, if we keep searching for that, we're never going to have that internal validation within ourselves. So find someone that's going to push that. you a little bit. I love that. And I, I think maybe that's, you're kind of speaking to, you know, what maybe pushed both Jen and I to explore, you know, other things too, because I, I think we need diversity when it comes to accountability partners. Like, you know, I, I think we need people that do think differently, right? That, that do have different perspectives and, and come at it from a different angle. And you're right. You don't always have to agree. Um, but just getting more of those people into our lives is huge. And I think I, Honestly, let's be real. I think we're seeing that a lot right now because of all the, the movement going on with Black Lives Matter. It's like it, it's, it's causing a lot of people to look internally and go, who's in my circle? Who do I need to be you know, pulling into my circle so I can learn and grow more, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, one of the things I think that's so important that, that I teach a lot on is, is are these triggers? If something triggers you, if something, you know, and I'll, I'll relate it to behavior because that's what, I, that's what I do with our students, but we know that behavior is solving a problem we have. It's not a problem in and of itself. And we are going to be triggered by all sorts of things in life. Triggers don't ever go away, right? The things that, you know, trigger us. So if I'm triggered by something I disagree with, instead of trying to blame that person, I spin it back on myself and I say, okay, what, why is it bothering me? Why does this bother me so much? What part of me Need, do I need to expand? Not saying I'm going to take 100% what they're saying is truth, but there's a part of me as I'm feeling that that you know irritated, that triggered by it. Then I've got some other work I need to do to expand my understanding, so I can make. Because to me, it comes down to making the best decision you can. If I'm so limited, I'm only looking through one you know one lens, and it's, instead, let's just expand it. So I think that's you know what personal for me. That's what personal growth is all about. Let's just keep expanding. Love that. <laughs> um, so I would love to kind of wrap up today with any like last piece of advice that you have for educators that you want to just share. That's either like your favorite thing to share or just any, any piece of advice to anyone listening. I would say, you know, two big themes that I have kind of going on right now. Uh, number one would be embrace risk-taking. I don't think we do that enough in education. I think, um, there's so much fear that sort of permeates education and it's back to that word that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, compliance, uh, compliance breeds fear, I think. And so I think, you know, being willing to step out and try something and fail and come back and rework it and try it again. I think that's, that's something that's so huge. You talked about earlier, you know, being afraid of making a decision right at one point in your life. And it's like, I, I think, you know, I hope that we're sending kids off with that ability to take some risks and, and to not be so petrified of making the wrong decision. And I think you get there by, you know, making mistakes, right. And embracing that. The other thing that kind of goes hand in hand with that, I would love to see more educators creating content. You know, uh, you create obviously this amazing podcast. Some people like to do vlogs or blogs. Some people like to, you know, speak or, you know, do other sorts of writing thing. I think we need more educators that are actually, you know, creating content so that they can experience what that feels like, because that's what we're asking our kids to do every day is produce something. Right. And, you know, besides all of the just personal and professional, you know, growth that comes from reflection and having to think about things and putting it out in the world and getting feedback, all those things are great. But beyond that, like when you create content, you then remember what it feels like to put something together, 
right? Like you putting this podcast together is like what it feels like to be a sixth grader in math learning fractions for the first time or whatever. Like th that's the hurdle. That's the, that feeling that where you said, you know, I was in tears and my husband was like, you know, do you want me to jump in here? Like that's, that's what the kids need on a daily basis is, you know, that ability to, you know, um, I, I should say that's what, that's what adults I think need to do for kids is to model that, um, you know, that, that, that ability to put yourself out on the line. So one of the things that we did a couple of years ago is we created a student led podcast and we did that not because we were podcast experts. We had never done any podcasting at all. We didn't know what we were doing, but we did it and we went for it and we told the kids up front, like, we don't know what we're doing. So we're going to learn this as we go. We're going to make mistakes. Mr. And Mrs. Apple are going to probably make most of the mistakes. You know, it was that kind of thing. And we just leaned into it. And I think more people in education need to do that. So that would be my two, create content and embrace risk-taking. So good. I love it. I, I talk a lot about, you know, things very much in line with that. And I think, it, I think it's huge. I think we, we consume a lot as educators. We are, we are consuming a lot, which is important because we're consuming content that was created by someone else. But in consuming that content, then we, then we apply it to ourselves so we can create our own understandings. And then, like you said, put it out in the world. Do something that scares you. you know. And for me, yes, the podcast scared, scared me so much, but it, I didn't start with the podcast. I started smaller. You know, I think, and I think that's what people, I think I needed to hear that a lot. It's why I use small, simple, and strategic steps. You know, start small, start simple. And the strategy is make sure it's something you love. <laughs> make sure it's something that aligns with you. Don't just go do something because, you know, Lindsay said to, or Han said to, or you saw someone online, do it. Do it so that the strategy is aligned with you. And for me, the simplest thing I started to do to get comfortable sharing my voice was I started doing stories on Instagram two years ago. And those are now the number one thing that people comment back to me on are those stories that I do, you know, every morning, Monday through Friday. And it's so funny because I don't even really think twice about them now. They're just kind of part of my day and they get me inspired for the day. And I'm like, great. If other people are, are learning, that's amazing. But that was, that was why I started those is because I didn't feel confident having a voice. I didn't feel confident sharing my voice, being on camera. And so by doing that, that then led to essentially all that you see here through Define University, including, including this podcast. So doing something that scares you, I think that is beautiful advice. And I so appreciate that. Um, and I think, I mean, man, we have been going for almost 50 minutes and covered so much amazing content. Um, I am so thankful. And if people want to connect with you, I will make sure to have the info in the show notes. But if people want to connect with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so our website is awardwinningculture.com and I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram. That's probably the, the best, place to, best places to get me. And it's uh, Hans N. Apple. Apple spelled weird. It's A-P-P-E-L. So I would love to connect with anybody that uh, wants to talk shop. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I so appreciate your time and I can't wait to keep connecting with you and learning from you. And I'm just so appreciative. Thanks for having me on. It's been amazing, Lindsay.
Well, there you have it, everyone. Another new episode of the Define University podcast is in the books, and I so hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. And if you did, would you do me a favor? Would you head on over and rate, review, subscribe, and even share that out with your friends? And let's let everyone know the amazing world of Define University. Would you do that for me? I would so appreciate you for that. And if you find yourself wondering, what's next? What else is out there? How else can I define who I am as an educator? How do I master my mindset? How do I I use powerful language every day and how do I take aligned action to truly achieving the goals I have to to create my present day reality to be the most amazing reality there is well then I, w- I would encourage you to head on over to defineuniversity.com and uh, check out the courses page that is all that I offer here and if you see something that you've got questions that piques your interest do me a favor send me an email let's connect I'm here for you every single day. So with that, remember to keep shining bright, live into your authenticity, love who you are, trust who you are, and most of all, own who you are so you can stand confidently in saying, this is who I am. We'll talk soon, everyone.